Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. I had several really cool sermons written for you this week. I mean, like, kind that you get emails from and say, oh, that was good. From about three of it, at least. And... I could not get at peace with it. I mean, I did everything I could do to be at peace with it. I, I, I literally, this morning early, was like, Lord, you know what? I, I am totally good with this message I've written. I don't need you messing with it. I mean, seriously, you get out of my way. I could do a cool message. I mean, I, it could be, this could be killer if you just let me. And over and over and over again, I couldn't get over it. When Lent season began on Ash Wednesday, I... I started a Bible reading plan on a little thing, a little app called He Reads Truth. Jenny's been doing She Reads Truth, and I, so uh, she told me, that, you know, you got a He Reads Truth thing. I thought, okay, that sounds pretty cool. So I download the app, and every day I get a, a, a section of Scripture I read, and then I swipe to the left, and I get a short commentary or devotion on that passage. I, I swipe to the left again, and it asks me a series of questions about what does this mean to you? So I, I read Matthew 4.4. 4, and then I got to the commentary and, the, and, and, and everything that, that you could fit in one page on an iPhone about that. And then I got over to the questions and it began with this. So what do you think Matthew 4.4 means to you? The second question was, what, what do you think you need to do as a result of Matthew 4.4 today? And then three more questions. So I answer those questions in my iPhone and it saves, saves that like a journal. And so I invite you, I think it's, it may be free or maybe it's two bucks. I'm like, I invite you to be a part of that and be a part of the He Reads Truth or She Reads Truth plan. It's such an easy way to get scripture just into your life day after day after day. And most of us don't do that. And so I invite you to do it. But I was, I was reading that I couldn't get my, my head and my heart together on that passage because I really wanted to make sure I was super cool, staying on, on track with daring faith. And then I began to recognize how daring this one piece of scripture really is in Matthew chapter 4. So this morning, I, I took our whacked out dog, Cooper, out for his walk, and uh, then I sat on my front porch. We have on our, our front door one of those ring doorbells, you know, that's got a, a HD video camera in it, and so your, your cell phone rings when somebody kind of comes near your door, and if you ring it, then it's, you, the video pops up. So I was sitting on my front porch this morning with Cooper, and uh, it was like the Lord kept saying, you know, I, I just need you to do this, Chuck. Just do this. And I'm like, Lord, I, you don't understand. I'm a preacher, Lord. And he was like, yeah, I know, you're supposed to be all, all about me. Well, Lord, I know that, but I've got this sermon done. It's printed. It's in my Bible. I'm ready to roll. But Chuck, it, I thought it was all about me. Yeah, but Lord, I'm a pastor. I'm responsible for stuff. And he said, yeah, you're responsible for getting people to focus on me. Got it, Lord. And then it hit me about halfway through the 930 service. While I'm having this discussion with God out loud, my ring is capturing my video. And I thought to myself, if everybody were to watch me pray, would it be worthy of hearing? If everybody heard me pray, would it be a model for what that looks like? And I found myself openly speaking to God, almost in, in an argument, like, Lord, really? I mean, I don't want to do this. 
And so I, I guess what I want to share with you today is two things. I want to start with an apology. So if you've already checked out on me, come back. I believe I have lived a life of safe faith. And I believe I have led a church to have a safe faith. And I am so sorry. We are not called to live in the safety and comfort of being a sweet little church. We are called to live a daring faith to change the world through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And most of us are failing miserably, starting with me. And I am so sorry. I don't want to stand before the Lord one day and say, well, I, I pastored a really sweet church, Lord. And hear him say like he did to the third man with the talents. Go away from me, you wicked and sinful man. And so today, I want to lead you into a little interactive time with me. And we're going to start in Matthew chapter 4. And the background from Matthew chapter 4 is that Jesus has, has now finished, or he's at the end of 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. And at the end of 40 days and 40 nights, most scientists would agree that the human body is at the end of its ability to function on just water. Now, many of you think of fasting like, well, I gave up, uh, I gave up TV for Lent, or I, I, I gave up the, uh, you know, social media for Lent. But in Jesus' case, when he fasted for, for 40 days, it was water. Now, I get hangry if by 1 o'clock when the race starts today, I don't have some type of Mexican food. I, I get hangry if by about 7 p.m. I'm not eating something. Are you with me? Most, most of us, the biggest, the biggest challenge in our life, like last night, you know the biggest challenge in my life last night was? I was so angry at Comcast, I, was, I, w I had a complete meltdown with Comcast because my Wi-Fi was slow. The poor Indian dude on the other side of the phone got the total ugly side of Pastor Chuck. You ever, been on, you ever been on one of those customer service calls where they're reading the script to be nice and tell you the right thing to do, but by, like by the fourth person, you're just begging somebody to stop reading the script and listen! Been there? I was there. Jenny told her group this morning that we were like Archie Bunker and Edith. That was not nice, babe. I mean, I get you being Edith, but I, I didn't see the Archie resemblance at all. That's, don't laugh that large. Man, it's going to kill me later on, dude. Don't do that. Matthew chapter 4. How do we avoid a meltdown, and how do we do this? So then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now let's stop. In the first verse, it tells us so many things. It tells us this. One, Jesus being led by the Spirit. All right, so... If you, if you get the concept of God, triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God the Father, our Creator, Jesus the Son, our Savior, God the Holy Spirit, our Keeper, the Spirit is leading Jesus, and they've led him to, the, the Spirit has led him to the desert. He's at the end of 40 days. In verse 2, we learn more. Now, before you get to verse 2, there, there's this statement, tempted by the devil. Now, we learn several things here in that statement. One is that Jesus isn't the one tempting, and God isn't the one tempting Jesus. God doesn't tempt us. He allows those temptations to test us. There's a big difference here because it says that Satan is the one doing the tempting. 
And in verse 2, after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, the three most plain words in Scripture, he was hungry. And so there he is, hungry, after 40 days and 40 nights, which speaks to Jesus being all man, and yet Jesus being all God. Simultaneously, Jesus was hungry. And so in his hunger, Satan decides, I've got you right where I want you. I've got you at your weakest position. And as a result, Jesus, listen to what he says. The tempter approached him and said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So what he does, he looks to Jesus and he says, now listen, I know you're hungry. I, I know, I, I know you're, you're on the edge of falling apart. You're at the end of 40 days and 40 nights. I want you to think how hungry you would be. Think how hungry you would be by four o'clock this afternoon. And then take that out 40 days and 40 nights. And so Satan looks at him and says, now, if you really are the son of God, if you really are a part of God, if you really are all God yet all man, look at those rocks and turn one into Twinkies, one into a cupcake, and one into a loaf of bread. And you know what? I mean, Jesus at that moment, he could have certainly done that. I mean, literally, he could have been tuna fish sandwich on it, grilled cheese, on it. Add bacon and tomato to the grilled cheese. Booyah. But Jesus answers this way. He answers, but it is written. Now, I want you to notice this is a mouthful in the it is written. Jesus is about to quote the book of Deuteronomy. Now, if you're not familiar with the Bible, think of the beginning of the Bible. Don't think of it as being chronological, but think of the order in which it is placed in the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, okay? So we're going way back, Old Testament, and Jesus is about to quote the book of Deuteronomy. And when he quotes that, when he says, it is written, what Jesus, the Son of God, is saying to Satan is, I know that you're trying to tempt me. I know you're trying to trick me. I know you've put this in front of me, but here's what I know the Scriptures say. The reason Jesus could do that is he knew the Scriptures were more more than a book in a leather-bound Bible. He knew that the scriptures were more than I could pull up and he reads truth. He knew that the scriptures were more than something you cut and paste from BibleGateway.com. He knew the scriptures so well that it guided him to say, when this opportunity is in front of me to fall and falter, what I'm going to do is go back and lean on scripture. So if we're wondering what happens to us in such a way that we can't answer Satan's temptation, but we fall to it, it's because Jesus is pointing out, you don't know scripture. And most of us in this room have no idea. We've got three or four hand grenade Bible verses that we pull the pin on and lob into a room so we make sure everybody knows we know scripture, like Jesus wept, boom. So if I started asking you this morning, okay, all of you that know five pieces of scripture and their reference to stand up, I might get a third of the room, maybe. But if I took that and I said, 10 pieces of scripture by reference, the numbers would start trailing down. If, if, I got, if, I, if I got to 52, I'm not sure any of us would be standing. And yet Jesus came back to Satan, tempting him at his weakest, at the most difficult point, and he comes back to him and he says, but it is written, and he could fall back on scripture and know what to do. And listen to what he said. Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, Jesus is wonderful here. You know, have you ever been around people who can always tell you what's wrong, but they can't tell you how to fix it? 
Have you been around those people? I mean, I, the church is filled with those kind of people. I mean, really, we, everywhere you go, somebody can tell you what's wrong. I mean, seriously, I can walk through that hallway this morning. I can find 30 things that I think we ought to fix. But, you know, at the end of the day, wouldn't it be good if somebody could say, Here, here's what I believe is wrong and here's a solution? Most of us can point out what's wrong with America. Most of us can't come to a solution. And that's because we, we haven't taken personally this concept of being able to say, this is written, man can't live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, let's talk a little bit about what the bread is. So we know that Jesus is in a fast, the end of a fast. We know that Satan has said, because you're so tired, because you're so weak, because you're so hungry, this is what I want to challenge you with. Now, let me ask you a question. I want you to write it down. A little nine-year-old boy at the end of the 930 service came up to me out in the hallway outside of meet and greet, and he, he had notes where he had drawn the notes from the 930 service. So maybe you're here today and you think, man, I'm going to retain all this. I don't take notes or there's no reason for me to take notes because Chuck didn't offer anything of wisdom at all. So if you're in one of those camps, grab your pen. Grab your pencil, mix lipstick, mascara, whatever you got. And I want you to be able to answer this question. What is your bread? What's your bread? If you are filled with the presence of the Son of God, if you have chosen to follow Jesus, if you've chosen the path of Christianity, one of the basic tenets of Christianity is the righteous shall live by faith. That's what Habakkuk said. The righteous shall live by faith. What that means is even though everything's falling apart, even though the scaffolding is falling on people, even though the markets have collapsed, even though you've lost your job, even though your wife has cancer, even though your children are driving you crazy, even though you don't have any money, even though your relationship's falling apart, I will trust God. The righteous will live by faith. And Jesus says to do that, you got to take this dare, that you won't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What is your bread? Okay, so this is the, the inter, interactive part. It'll be a little different. Don't freak out with a preacher. Take your pen, pencil, lipstick, or mascara. If you don't have one, don't worry about notes, but I just need you to go, th- go through this with me, all right? I need you to write down five words. If you want to do it on your phone or tablet, feel free to do that. I am going to walk through the audience, and I am going to pick on you, so make sure you do this, all right? So I want you to write five words. The first word is sometimes, sometimes. Second word is usually, usually. Third word, occasionally. Fourth word is always. And the fifth word is never. Sometimes, usually, occasionally, always, and never. Now what I want you to do is assign a time that that word means to you. So if you're a school teacher, what you just heard me say is, you have five words, they have to equal 100%, 2020, 2020. But that's not what I'm saying. I want you to take the word sometimes, and I want you to assign to that word whatever percentage of time you believe that means. So from 0% to 100%, what does sometimes mean to you? Does sometimes 20%? Is sometimes 90%? What does sometimes mean to you? From 0% to 100%, what does usually or occasionally mean? Assign from 0 to 100, 100% what each of those words mean to you. Sometimes, usually, occasionally, always, and never. And assign the percentage of time you believe that word means to you. Okay? Don't overthink it. Some of you are cheating and looking at other people's paper. Bobby, stop looking at Laura's paper. 
Okay, if you don't have it done now, you are overthinking this. If, you are, if you're overthinking this, you're exactly who I want to ask. All right, you ready? Okay, let's see. Let's figure out what sometimes is. All right, Ben, what'd you put for sometimes? 10%. So like sometimes I do sweet things for her, which means 90% of the time you don't. I'm just wondering. I know. I understand. I get it. I get it. Okay. All right. You're probably not doing sweet, bro. No. All right, Blake, what's sometimes? 20%. So you doubled up on Ben. Nice. Okay. That's very good. Rusty, what'd you put for sometimes? 30. Okay. We're growing. 10, 20, 30. We're on a roll. Yeah, we're, we're getting there. All right, Ford, what'd you put for sometimes? 20. You guys, that's okay. We're doing good. All right, Tracy, what'd you put? 80. Man, that, that glass is more than half full. That's awesome. If sometimes you're all about it, girl. Yeah, that's good. Okay, well, we're a little all over the board. All right, so, uh, Bob, what'd you put? 25. I'm a little surprised you didn't put like a decimal in there, being this guy. You, you know, I've, that's pretty cool. Okay, what'd you put? 20%. Okay, let's see. What'd you put? 50. Okay, we are all over the board. I found the problem. We, we are completely on, we're not on the same page. All right, let's go to sometimes. No, I'm sorry. Let's go to, uh, what was the next word? Usually. Usually. All right. Jonathan, what'd you put for usually? 75. Usually 75. Officer, usually I don't speed here. Oopsies. Okay, what'd you put? 40. 75 to 40. You're cringing, so what did you put? 85. Tom, what'd you put? You didn't write anything down? Nothing. So sometimes, sometimes didn't mean anything to you? Okay. Where are my deacons when I need them? Okay, what'd you put? 30. Okay, we're just exacerbating the problem. All right, let's go to, what's the next one? Occasionally? Is that the next one? Occasionally? Okay, let's, what did you put, man, for occasionally? Did you do this? No, you don't like the preacher? I know, he's, he's not an easy guy to get along with. He's not an easy guy to go. Okay, did you do this? All right, what'd you put, Ryan? 25 for occasionally. Okay, that's, that's pretty good. What'd you, what'd you put? 30, 25 to 35. Let's, let's go to Carrie in the middle. What'd you put? 25, oh, isn't that so sweet? Y'all are such a cute little couple. Okay, very good. What did you put? 20. Okay, okay, we're, we're getting there. I have noticed when I start walking down the aisle, everybody looks straight forward. It's like, don't ask me. Okay, with that in mind, what did you put? Yeah, 30. Okay, okay, what'd you put for, for occasionally? 25. Okay, very good. Okay, what'd you put? 10. All right, Stephen. All right. Okay, now let's go, let's go to the last two. Okay, if you put anything other than 100% for always, would you stand up? If you put anything other than 100%, would you stand up? Okay, stay standing for a minute. This, this is, should be good. Okay, don't be looking over there. I'm right here. All right, what did you put? 95. 95. Was it just like margin of error kind of thing? Yeah. So in other words... Pastor, I always tithe. I mean, there's basically a 95% shot you're not. Or did it work the other way? There's, I only missed five. Yeah? Liar. Okay. All right. Okay, Carl, what'd you put? 
20. Okay, when I say always, you mean 20? Seriously, I always obey the rules. I now know the problem. Okay, Ryan, what'd you put? 20. Les, what'd you put? You put zero for always? Dude, there's medication for that. Okay. Oh, my stars. Okay, thank you. Y'all have a seat. If you put anything other than 0% for never, would you stand up? If you put any, I see some familiar faces. Okay, I have to do it. Les, if you were zero for always, what is never? 90%. What happened to the other 10? <laughs> oh, my stars. Hey, baby, what'd you put for never? I promise you, you didn't. What did you put, Jen? You put what? 10% for never? I would never lie to you, sweetheart. What? I mean, there's a 10% there's a chance of probability in that, babe. Yeah, just smile and nod. <laughs> All right, thank you. Y'all have a seat. I, I want to make this point, though. So we have a hard time defining those words, and we use them always, usually, occasionally, never. And we, we don't define those well. And then Jesus drops this kind of stuff on us. Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We can't define sometimes, and he drops this one on us. What if we could define what our bread is? What is it that you can't live without? And what is it that you desperately need to live? What can you not live without? And go ahead and write it down. What is it you cannot live without? And what is it you desperately need to live? So go ahead and write it down. Don't overthink it. Don't put more than one or two, just top of mind what comes. What is it you can't live without? You got the answer? Okay, then let me stop right here with this thought. You ready? When Jesus says it is written, he's quoting the book of Deuteronomy. He's saying to Satan, who is the tempter, at Jesus being physically weak, I could do it, but I can live without that, but I cannot live without every word spoken from the mouth of God. Where does God speak to us? He speaks to us in his word. He speaks to us in our prayers. And he speaks to us through people around us who are godly counsel. So what's your bread that you could do without? For some of us, we are resting in a 401k or we are abiding in a better job, or we're racing to win something that's temporal and will end. And Jesus is saying, if you listen to the voice of God and you act on the voice of God, then you can live without that bread. And when I began putting my list together of what my bread is, so much of it was not eternal, but it was temporary. What I thought I couldn't live without, Jesus came to prove I didn't need. So today, when you walk through something like 
a little exercise to try to define something in our language. And we see that we're all over the board. The one thing we have to get right is Jesus. The one thing that we have to make sure we can define is what is our bread? Jesus looked at Satan and said, it is written. He could say it was written because he he knew the word of God. The vast majority of us have no idea what the Bible says. And we learn most of our Bible from watching Jimmy Fallon. And all the while, God says, it is written. It is written. And through the rest of this chapter, Jesus responds to every tempt with this. It is written. It is written. That's why I ask you. That's why I urge you. If reading the Bible is just so foreign to you, start with something like he reads truth. Or, or, or go to the U version and tap plan. Get a three-day plan. Start. But allow God to start saturating your soul so that you can know what's bread and what comes from the mouth of God. So today, let me wrap up by saying, I realize that bread's different for everybody. For some of you, bread is a boat. For some of you, bread is a car. For some of you, bread is a 401k. Bread is health or health insurance. And Jesus is coming along and he's walking through the aisles at Sugar Hill Church saying to each of us, You don't have to live on bread alone. There's so much more. Because when you take just bread and you you put a piece of cheese in it and you put some mayonnaise and some mustard and some turkey, maybe a little bacon and lettuce and tomato and you toast that bad boy, come on now. You see, while Jesus said, be sure to be able to name your bread, I think he followed it up with a solution that says you're going to have so much more. Because you see, I don't think the story is about bread. I think the story is about our heart. And when our heart longs for the things of God, we know his voice. We know how to answer. We know where to rest. We know where our power and our strength comes from. We know that hope resides when we rest and abide in Jesus alone. You see, when everything around you falls, will you be able to say like the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk, though my world may falter and fall, yet I will rest in the power of the gospel. Listen, my friend. Jesus is saying there's so much more than bread, and he wants to offer it to you. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would recognize that this story is not about bread. It is about the bread of life. This story is not about hunger. It is about our heart's desire. This story is is not about being tempted or tried or tested as much as it is a recognition that our heart falters so many times just out of silly things that we fall prey to. 
God, I pray today we would recognize that Jesus is enough. He is more than enough. And we could know what our bread is and more importantly, who our bread is. The bread of life, the King of Kings, the Alpha, the Omega, the Son of God, the mighty warrior, our strong tower, Jesus. And it's his name that we pray all these things in. Amen, amen, and amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.